Hello, hello, and welcome to the Go Go Media Nostalgia Show! This is the podcast where I bring on special guests to talk about a piece of media that they really latched onto in their childhood and how it has continued to affect them to this day. Since we're just now getting things started, this podcast is a little bit different, and I'm going to be my very own special guest, talking about a piece of media that has been very important to me throughout my life. It is The Last Unicorn, the 1982 British-American-Japanese animated fantasy film. It's based upon the novel written by Peter S. Beagle, who was also involved in writing the screenplay for the film. The movie was generally well-received, though it wasn't a smash hit by any means. It's been called unusual and wonderfully weird, which I can't say that I really disagree with. I don't think that's such a bad thing, though. I really enjoy unique films that sort of break out of what is expected of them. I think it struggled a little bit to find an audience as well because it was generally more of a serious adult type story than you might expect from a tale about unicorns. I'm personally of the opinion that people generally underestimate the depth of story that children can really appreciate, but that's a rant for another time, perhaps. I first encountered this film when I was a very young girl. Honestly, considering the content of the movie, I was probably much too young to really be watching it. (laughs) I remember turning to the movie a lot when I felt lonely or sick, which absolutely happened a lot when I was younger. I was a pretty sick kid. And even though it was a really sad movie, I found it like a comforting kind of sad, you know? Plus, I mean, it had heroes and magic and princesses and unicorns. It was pretty much anything that a little girl could ever want in a story, and I was just absolutely in love with it. So now it's probably time for me to tell you a little bit about the plot of the movie. Uh, As I remember it, The Last Unicorn is the story of one unicorn's journey to find out what happened to her brethren and learning a little bit about humanity in the process. Now, obviously, if you don't want to hear spoilers for a nearly 40-year-old movie, this is your cue to skip ahead of it. Say, eh, 30 seconds or so. I'll give you a pause here so you can do that if you want. Okay, so for the rest of us, the movie opens with a, in my opinion, beautiful musical number by America as we see the unicorn's forest and hear a couple of hunters talking about how it won't do them any good to hunt there because the animals are under the protection of the last of the unicorns. The unicorn, hearing this, is understandably confused, since her kind are pretty much immortal. We can be hunted, trapped, we can even be killed if we leave our forests, but we do not vanish. So after an amusing chat with a passing butterfly who tells her the tale of the Red Bull, You can find the others if you are brave. They passed down all the roads long ago and the Red Bull ran close behind them and covered their footprints. The Red Bull? She decides to set out on a journey to find out the truth of what happened to the rest of her kind. Along the way, she's captured by a carnival witch, Mommy Fortuna, set free by the bumbling Schmendrick the Magician, meets up with a group of self-styled Robin Hood-type bandits, and joined by the indomitable Molly Gru, who refuses to leave the side of the unicorn after waiting so long to meet one. Finally, the group has a run-in with the Red Bull himself on their way to King Haggard's castle. In order to save the unicorn, Schmindrick channels his magic and asks it to save her in any way that it can. It does so, transforming her into a human girl that the Red Bull has no interest in, and so the danger is past. Though she's safe now, the newly born Lady Amalthea must deal with the reality of living in a body that is dying around her, filled with emotions and needs that she's never experienced before. The final parts of the movie deal with her search for the other unicorns, falling in love with the Prince Lear, 
and finally rescuing the other unicorns, as well as her transformation back into her original form. It's a story of love, identity, regret, and I honestly believe that if you give it half a chance, you're sure to fall in love with it as much as I have. As far as what really drew me into the movie, it has to be the artwork. It has a strange kind of artistic quality to it that you don't really see in animation anymore, and I think that's mostly because it was made back before we decided collectively that animated movies were only for a younger crowd. Uh, it kind of, it looks like a beautiful tapestry in a way. It has these beautiful colors, a wonderful color palette, and it's also just kind of a strange story with a different rhythm to it than you see in most animated movies. It's, there's something kind of mesmerizing about that combination of dreamy artwork and conversational voice acting and the slow pace of the story. I find it just really, really comforting to watch. As far as the impact that it had on me as a person, I think it taught me a lot about kindness and thinking about people as more than either just evil or good. All the bad guys in the story have their reasons for doing what they do. Mommy Fortuna wants to be remembered and respected as a powerful witch, even though she doesn't have as much magical skill as some of her peers. In some ways, she actually wants to protect Amalthea from the rest of the world, capturing her and keeping her safe from the Red Bull, though obviously that isn't what Amalthea herself wants. It has also taught me that you don't have to be amazing at something to do the right thing at the right time, and often that what you think is best for others is not what they really want for themselves. Perhaps I'm getting a little too philosophical, but I've watched this movie so many times throughout my life that it's really had a rather deep impact on me. I honestly didn't even read the novel until I was something like 20. It is a really beautiful novel, though, and I really recommend it. With all that said, let's get into it. It's time for us to rewatch the movie and see how it's held up. If you want to watch along at home before listening to the post-rewatch portion of this podcast, you can find it available for streaming on HBO, or you can rent it for $2.99 on Amazon. Though, if you happen to have a really cool friend who you knew was a horse girl sometime in the 80s, 90s, or early aughts, they might have a copy in their collection that you might be able to borrow. In the meantime, let's take a quick break and check out some media from a couple of my friends who make wonderful, wonderful things. Let's go! Man with the neck on the blazing, expensive guitar. 
was Cover Band Hack by Marsicano's Ark. That's actually the same friend of mine who wrote the intro to our show. He's very talented, and you can check out the rest of his work at genericyellowbird.bandcamp.com. He has music in all different kinds of genres, so I'm sure you'll find something new and delightful to listen to if you go ahead and check him out. So, what parts of The Last Unicorn held up? Honestly, I think that the general theme of searching for who you are, uh, where you belong, and your people is a rather universal tale. Everyone's always trying to figure themselves out, and I don't think that that's likely to change anytime soon. I think it would be rather boring if in the future we were all completely satisfied with ourselves and our places in society. What would there be to work towards or think about if that was always true? I think it's still a very comforting story to lonely little girls like I was back then, and I hope it continues to reach the people who would really like to see it. It's definitely not a story for everyone, but I've met a lot of people like myself who've really latched onto it during hard times in their lives. Oh, oh, I know exactly how you feel. It's a very rare person who's taken for what he truly is. That being said, of course, there's also several parts of the story that didn't hold up quite so well. I am a bearer! I am a dwelling! I am a messenger! You are an idiot! To be honest, some of the animation is a little bit... subpar? It's really, really smooth and beautiful in some places, and then, like, kind of twitchy in others. It was something that I easily overlooked as a kid, but looking at it now as an adult, it doesn't quite stand up to modern animation standards. There's also a few places where, like, the colors will change between frames, or the mouths don't quite match up with the dialogue, but that being said, I still think it looks quite stylistically beautiful. Now, if there's anything that I would change about the story to make it fit a more modern cultural context, uh, I don't really know. Because it's a fantasy film, I don't really feel like there's too much that would really need to change to make it more palatable to modern audiences. I suppose there's like the bits of nudity and the on-screen dying that might need to be cut out if you're aiming at a younger audience, but I don't really think that they're all that bad, and I feel like censoring them kind of takes away a little bit from like the grittiness of the show. Uh, American attitudes towards nudity can also be a little weird sometimes, so, you know. Um, how do I feel about sharing this video with others? 
While I didn't actually share this with other people, for this particular rewatch, it is a movie that I have shared with many people over the years. It always makes me feel a little bit naked to share it, since it's honestly so important to me. Like, ah, I know, I know, please ignore the cringy animation in this one scene, I promise, on the whole, it's such a good story. Like, I know my perception of the thing is obviously affected by nostalgia, but I genuinely find it to be a beautiful film and story, and I just really want people to like it and not judge me too hard when I tell them that it's my favorite movie. <laughs> um, as far as something I would like to share about this piece or media in general, I know it's kind of a little bit hokey and maybe kind of simple for people's taste, but I really recommend checking it out. If only to get a taste for how different animated movies used to be. Like if you're a fan of uh, Snow White or even the old animated Lord of the Rings movies, it's seriously worth a watch. I feel like it has a lot of important themes and ideas to share with people, and like the character Molly Grew. Even when I was young, I really felt for her, and I only find her more and more relatable as I grow older. And where were you 20 years ago? 10 years ago? Where were you when I was new? When I was one of those innocent young maidens you always come to? How dare you? How dare you come to me now? when I am this. Thank you all for joining us today on the Go Go Media Nostalgia Show. So, I've been your host and also your special guest today, Sheree Bruce. You can catch me on the social medias as at Squidly Kitten. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and even Tumblr, though I don't use that as much anymore. As always, shout out to all my creatives out there. When you work for a big name studio or you're just scribbling down your novel on receipt paper in between tables at a restaurant, Remember that to create something, even badly, is to do something wonderful. It's to make your soul grow. That's a little bit of wisdom from the lovely late Kurt Vonnegut, a man always worth listening to. Besides, you never know who's going to encounter your work, fall in love, and then wind up on a show like this one years and years later, trying to explain just how much it meant and still means to them. So, keep on making! See you next time! Ciao!